Welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadia. All right, thanks so much for joining me for another show, all you Exploring Mind and Body listeners out there. Before we get started, just a quick word from our sponsor, MAKMystics.com. This is a Himalayan salt company, and they have all kinds of salt products, salt shakers, salt grinders, salt cutting boards, Himalayan salt lamps to improve your sleep. They actually helped me out with a bunch of salt grinder gifts for my clients and fitness class members. So that was super cool. I always appreciate what they're doing. You know, it's time to start paying attention to the little things that we're doing in life. And salt is one of them. You still see salt at homes. You see it at restaurants. That's bleached, refined. There's no minerals or any nutritional value in those. So if you're looking to improve your lifestyle in sustainable ways, look to change to Himalayan salt. That's makmystic.com. I just got off the phone with Karen Koenig and she was fantastic. We're talking about her new book called Outsmarting Overeating. This is actually her sixth book, <laughs> but she's super busy. She's, I think she told me she's doing four interviews a week or something, four or five, something like that. So I so much appreciate her time for coming on the show. We're basically talking about overeating and how it translates to life. And I love to talk about lifestyle because I really believe if you don't change your lifestyle, you're not going to make those sustainable changes. We're all looking for. We talked about self-regulation, balancing work and play, handling emotions. There's eight significant topics that we go over from the book in this interview. So I hope you enjoy. We got all that coming up. This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. All right, welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. I'm excited to have Karen Koenig with us. You heard all about her on the intro. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. We're going to talk about outsmarting overeating. But before we do, would you give us a chance to resonate with you a little bit and hear hear some of your background and how you came to... What are you? Is this your fifth book or sixth book? Sixth. Sixth book. Okay. So what were you doing before that led you up to... And what are you doing now with all these with all these books and helping people understand food and eating properly? Well, not surprisingly, um, I'm a psychotherapist, but not surprisingly, I got to this particular field through my own eating problems. Um, you know, uh, when I was younger, I, I would diet, binge, diet, binge, lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight, and um, finally, I about I'm 67. About half a lifetime ago, I. Um, got my eating together and stopped dieting, depriving myself, learned to eat normally. And then I um, started teaching in a program and people would come up to me and say, oh, do you have some one-to-one time? So I went back and got my master's in social work and um, here I am today. So I've got the personal and the professional. And then I just realized, I've always loved to write, that I had a lot to say and I wanted to get the word out. So I started writing books and I I haven't been able to stop. (laughs) That's a great way to get the word out. Among three of my books, I I even have uh, foreign translations. Wow. Does does someone come to you and ask you to do that or do you reach out to other languages? Usually through my publisher. I, I just let them them handle it. Uh, after this show airs, we, we do have, a, uh, this goes on as a podcast, so we do have listeners from around the world. What what languages me, do you have it in? And, and again, I don't, not the current book, the, the Outsmarting Overeating, but my previous books, uh, I don't know if I can remember them all. Thai, Chinese, German, Portuguese, Spanish, Polish, 
Um, and then there are a couple more. Do you get anyone communicating to you and telling you how they've you've changed their life in you know different countries and different languages? I do, I do, and and I'm an eating coach, and um, I I don't do it in uh, outside of Florida in this country, but I do coaching um, worldwide, and so I really meet up with a lot of troubled eaters. So, and no matter what culture they are in. It, they have the same problems, and I offer the same solutions. How big of an issue is overeating, I guess, in the world? I would say North America, but in the world. It's becoming uh, more of an issue in countries that didn't have um, overeating or overweight problems. Not surprisingly, um, there's a high correlation between our restaurants going over there. and um, Our fast the food chains? Fast foods, yes. Yes, and just, you know, we export our culture, not just in our movies, but in what we do, how we dress. And it's one of the things that others are picking up that um, is not so great from our culture, unfortunately. Tell me, you know, some of the biggest issues right now when people contact you and they're asking you, you know, what can they do to address this overeating? You know, my premise in the book is that what if it's what if your eating problem is not really about food what if it is that you haven't managed the rest of your life very well and you can improve your life skills and feel more in control of life more satisfied and then you won't turn to food so that's my premise um one of the the biggest issues that i see and people come to see me with is this whole um issue of what's enough. It, so, it goes for them beyond what's enough food, too much or too little. But in so many many areas of life, they tend to be all or nothing. Um, you know, must I go to the gym every day? And if I don't go every day, I won't go at all. Um, and uh, working, taking care of other people, giving to others. So one of the biggest issues is self-regulation and finding a balance. Yeah, I like um, how you I like how you relate that to lifestyle because usually in life there's not just one issue, there's a root to the issue and then that uh, that root kind of addresses your entire lifestyle and if we don't pay attention to our entire lifestyle, then we're only fixing one thing which really doesn't help us out. Very well said. Exactly. People who have eating problems generally, not always, but generally have problems in the area of self-regulation in general. The only um, time that is not true is when people are such perfectionists and overachievers and feel they have to do things right in every area, they don't get a chance to um, experience what it's like to do things without pressure and to relax, go unconscious. So sometimes... People are overly regulated in other areas, and then they use food to sort of kick back, do something where they can just turn off their minds. Okay, so they kind of balance that out with food. Yes, and that leads into another thing that I see uh, a lot, which is people needing a balance with work and play. But many dysregulated eaters are very um, focused on production and perfection, and they, they'll tell you, well, I want to do this, but, but I really shouldn't. So what happens is 
when they're working they're, or overworking, they're feeling um, resentment that they're doing that. And so they don't, even, they don't enjoy the work process, and all they want to do is get out there and, and have fun. And, but the thing is, when they're having the fun, they feel guilty that they should be working. <laughs> and they don't enjoy that either. So the skill that I teach is learn to balance work and play and have enough play, which is doing something for the pure pleasure of it, not with a goal. Have enough of that in life so that you can say, okay, now I'm going to work and now I'm going to play. And that's what food is a lot for people, this idea of just getting pleasure and not being productive. So people are using food uh, kind of to fill that void uh, of, of having guilt around, you know, having too much work, always feeling like they should be working when they're having fun. Uh, they feel guilty, so they eat. Is that correct? Yes. And then they, well, what happens is they say, I'm not going to do this anymore. I want to, I'm going to take a food break. And then that's how they get pleasure and that's how they relax, at least for the moment. But they don't even really enjoy that because they feel guilty that they're doing it. Right. I have that so issue they sometimes. don't enjoy either play or work and they ping pong back and forth. That's a good kind of segue into when one of your other topics is setting and reaching goals. Tell us the difference, first of all, between enjoying, you know, playful activities, leisurely time without setting goals. Play again is, and tell me if, if I'm not answering this, just ask it again. Um, play is doing something for the pure pleasure of it. Never mind the outcome. And many dysregulated eaters have trouble doing that because they feel they have to not only be productive all the time, but doing things perfectly or doing them well. Um, work is doing something for an end product or a result. That, that was fantastic. That was, a, that was what I was looking for. So now when we're looking at setting and reaching goals, are we talking about setting and reaching goals for food or for work time? For, for anything. Okay. For anything. I don't encourage people to set goals, actually. It's interesting. client came in yesterday. She said, my brother and my father and my mother want me to set goals. And here's why. Because when we want to do something, we go and do it. If I said to you, hey, you won the lottery. You won $4 million. You can go pick it up. Would you have to find yourself to set a goal to pick it up? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be my first thing I do, but <laughs> to go pick right. it up. <laughs> so um, we do what we want to do. And sometimes we both want to do something and don't want to do it. And what we do then is we pressure ourselves to say, I, I should do it, I need to, must, have to. And then we rebel against it because there's a part of us that doesn't want to do it or we would have done it already. So what I encourage people to do, rather than set goals, is stay in touch with wanting something and not wanting it, whether it's food or not. You, um, or you want to go to the gym, and you also don't want to go to the gym. Rather than set a goal and say, I have to go to the gym, because as soon as you are pressuring yourself, it's like somebody poking you in the back as, a, as opposed to something beckoning you. As soon as you tell yourself you should do it, you have to do it, you've sort of lost the battle. The fact is you want to do it to be healthy, and you don't want to do it because of whatever reason. Um, so um, I think goals do have their place, and I talk about that in the chapter. But um, we don't generally make 
set goals and make commitments to things that we want to do. The idea is to find out ways to want to do something and then you don't need the goal. I talk about goals myself, but there's a lot of goals happening in the new year with new year's resolutions and a lot of people struggle with goals. So here's another answer for those that don't want to set goals or or can find success in a different manner. Yes, because very often, at least with the population that I work with, (coughs) excuse me, when people um, say, you know, I'm going to do this, there's a resolution goal, I'm committing to it, there's a little voice in them that is saying, I should do it, but I really don't want to do it, and they're not in touch with it. And then what we do is we just rebel, and we just don't do it. And then we feel guilty, and we set another goal, and round and round we go. And then we eat more. <laughs> and and then we eat more, particularly with food. Yes, because we're adults. Who likes people, even ourselves, telling us, "Don't do this. You shouldn't. You can't have." Didn't most of us hear enough of that in childhood? <laughs> you just want it more. You just want it more. Uh, yes, and and there there's so much rebellious eating going around. So the question isn't you know can't. I, saying to yourself, I can't have it. I can have it, but is this really going to be good for me? Let's take a short commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to talk more about outsmarting overeating. So stay right there, listeners. We'll be right back on Exploring Mind and Body. Exploring Mind and Body with Drew Taddea, brought to you in part by PM Promotions, your one-stop promotional shop specializing in custom embroidery and screen printing. Located just off Highway 2A in Crossfield, find them online at p-mpromotions.com or call 946-0158. All right, welcome back to Exploring Mind and Body. Today we have Karen Koenig on the line. Her new book, she actually this is her sixth book, but her new one is called Outsmarting Overeating. My favorite thing is, as we know, our regular listeners is talking about lifestyle and how you can make sustainable changes. And that's exactly what Karen's talking about with overeating here. So Karen, the next topic from the book I want to discuss is wellness and physical self-care. How can that help with overeating? Well, if you have, let's say, a car that you love, you take good care of it, you polish it, you get tune-ups when you need to, you um, do preventative maintenance, and it's because you love it. If you love yourself, you do these things automatically. And what I found is that a lot of um, dysregulated, troubled eaters really don't feel worthy enough themselves to take care of their bodies. They do a great job sometimes taking care of other people. So we know that they understand self-care. But um, if you love yourself, you automatically take care of yourself. It's a no-brainer. I go back when I talk to people about physical self-care. I always talk to them about self-love and self-worth. Is it a big deal for people that put themselves last? Does that have a direct correlation with those that overeat? They take care of other people, and then they don't take care of themselves, and then they find that there's no time for themselves? And Yes, And the only way they feel um, that it's okay to take care of themselves is with food. In fact, I wrote a book called Nice Girls Finish Fat, Put Yourself First and Change Your Eating Forever, because women do that. They take care of everybody else and put themselves last, and then they end up eating to take care of themselves. Right. I like that. I like that title, Nice Girls Finish Fat. 
Uh, but it makes sense because if we put ourselves last, if you never put yourself first, then you're going to be, you're going to deal with weight issues and you're going to deal with health issues. And if you never learn to, you know, put yourself first once in a while, then it's going to be difficult for you to live a healthy lifestyle. Well, if, if we all put ourselves first, then everyone takes care of themselves and then you can interact with other people on that basis. It doesn't mean people often confuse it with being selfish or self-centered, and it isn't. It's just that that is the responsibility for each of us to take care of ourselves. And if you're taking care of someone else and they're taking care of them, who's taking care of you? Nobody. Nobody. So let's get into problem solving and critical thinking. Problem solving for yourself and, and, and thinking more, we'll get into more consciously in the, next, in the next tip here, but you know, how can problem solving affect overeating? Well, this is what I hear a lot from people. Uh, so, well, why did you do that? Oh, well, it felt like the right thing to do. And, you know, I'm the first person, I'm, I've been a therapist for over 30 years, to value emotions and, um, you know, that we, we uh, want to use them when we are making decisions. But it's not basically the best way to make decisions. You want to use evidence. You want to look at your own experience. You want to look at pros and cons. And that's where critical thinking skills come in. And many people have um, poor critical thinking skills. This is what I hear all the time. I I don't feel well. So why don't you go to the doctor? I don't like going to the doctor. Well, I mean, how can we ever make it? decision about going to the doctor on whether we like it. It's not like there's most people like it or the (laughs) dentist or it's getting surgery. So when people make decisions better, their life is less stressful. So how can they improve on making decisions? Well, really (laughs) um, use, you know, looking at evidence. What happened to them before when they did this? What seems to happen to other people when they do this? What are the consequences? Big, big word. Um, what are the consequences going to be? And knowing that they're making an informed choice, using both the analytical executive functioning of their brains as well as maybe their, their gut instinct. But too many people just say, I feel like it or I don't feel like it. And that, that's default and it's really avoiding decision making because it's not a way to make decisions. So does that have a lot to do with living consciously? I, it has a tremendous amount to do with it. Um, knowing how you make decisions, kn- knowing how to do it and then knowing how you do it and paying attention when you're making decisions. Um, uh, there's a, a very big movement now for mindful eating and mindful living and it's very important uh, to not live on automatic and to not live on unconscious, but to value every moment. And nowhere is it more important for troubled eaters than while they're eating. Because it's funny, on the one hand, it's paradoxical. You know, they say, oh, I love food. I just love food. But they don't taste it. Mm-hmm. They're so busy feeling guilty or doing something else. So um, going back to simple, mindful living, which includes eating without distractions. You know, the thing that gets me about when people overeat, a lot of them say, I love food. But to me, most of the time, they're not eating food. 
they're just eating some substance that tastes good and they you know keep eating it and eating it and then like you said they, they don't taste it and then this goes back to wellness and physical care that you were talking about earlier is that you know they don't love food and i don't know i think deep down they don't love themselves either by continuing to put these substances into their body yes they love the idea of food and i've blogged on that i um People go to my website, which is com. They'll find a link to my blogs. People like the idea of food. They like the process of eating. Um, but it's not towards really enjoying food, savoring it, and then stopping when you're full. Because past a certain point, your taste buds sort of shut down. And then it's like you're, you know, it's like when we fall in love and we chase that infatuation. It ain't coming back. <laughs> right. So it's just a question of knowing when to stop and knowing that food is there for you to have it whenever you want it and then eating it mindfully again. And then you enjoy food more and actually eat less. Building and maintaining relationships. Are we talking about food in particular? No, building relationships with other people so that you can trust them, you can depend on them, get support from them. When we can turn to people and not food, we've turned a corner. A lot of people are turning to food for the void in meaningful, meaningful relationships? Absolutely. Uh. And, and all these things are tied together. When I hear about the relationships they have, they, you wouldn't pick these people for friends, husbands, wives, life partners, because a lot of them aren't capable of being that kind of friend, partner, whatever you want to say. So very often because they don't, people don't feel worthy of themselves or they have um, historical childhood patterns of abuse or neglect, they pick people who don't take care of them well. They don't take care of themselves well and they end up eating for when they're in distress or when they're stressed. So a lot of it is knowing what makes a good intimate friend, partner, whatever it is, and then looking for patterns in relationships. Is, are, are people treating me well on the whole? If so, keep them. If they're not, get rid of them. <laughs> I love that. I, t- I often talk about environment and how influential our surroundings is, and that has a lot to do with family and our friends. And, and people are shocked when I say if your family is negative and they're not supportive, then you need to let them know that you're not going to keep them in your life if they're not going to you know, learn to support you. Yes. And what I often say to people is you need to let them know. And if that doesn't work, you need to let them go. Nice. I like that. Because when we're surrounded by people who love and care about us, then we turn to them and we don't turn to food. The last topic here before we let you get going here is called handling emotions. And I, want, I, I wanted this one last because I think it has such a uh, significant factor in overeating and our entire lifestyle. So how does handling emotions relate to what you're talking about in the book? The first thing is to understand what emotions are for. They're not just there to plague us. They actually have an evolutionary function. They tell us about our inner world the same as our senses tell us about our external world. So... The idea is to look to them um, to figure out how to negotiate life. So you want half the battle if you understand what emotions are for, which most people do not. The next step is to understand and identify what you're feeling, not just to say, well, I'm stressed, I'm upset. And there, I wrote a book called The Food and Feelings Workbook, which goes through seven distinct emotions, loneliness, disappointment, anxiety, guilt, shame. Uh, 
so that when we know what we're feeling, we know what we need to address it. And it's never food unless you're hungry, and hunger is not an emotion. So when you're hungry, eat for nourishment and secondarily for pleasure. And when you have a feeling, um, it's best to understand why you have that feeling, what it is, and what you can do to take care of it. So handling emotions not only makes food better, but it makes all of life better. I like how you relate that back to life. That's that's wonderful. Karen, I want to respect your time, and I want to thank you so much for joining us and offering us you know, some insight on overeating. It's such a big topic, and there's a lot of people that struggle with this. So thank you for writing such a fantastic book and sharing some of your time with us. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. I had a good time. And then we can reach you at karenrkanig.com. Yes, that's my website. I have links to, I run a Yahoo message board, food and feelings message board. I encourage people to join up. And um, it, the, my website also has a link to uh, where I blog twice a week and um, has descriptions of my um, other books and some podcasts, interviews. So um, anything they want to know about me, they can find out on my website. In the show notes, I'll link those, your website and some of these other, your blog. And that's going to be exploringmindandbody.com slash outsmarting overeating. Karen, thank you so much for your time. We'll let you get going and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Okay, thanks so much. Exploring Mind and Body with True Forms, True Tadia would not be possible without the help from the following sponsors. AG Foods in Didsbury, Health Street in the Cornerstone Shopping Center Olds, and Shoppers Drug Mart, working together to help build a healthier tomorrow. For more information on True Form Life, True Tadia, or to find out how you can become a sponsor, visit exploringmindandbody.com. All right, so that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. I just want to thank Karen for coming on the show. I love that interview. These tips are so relevant in life and how everything translates back to lifestyle. That's why I wanted Karen on the show and that's why I enjoyed her book. It's called Outsmarting Overeating. All the show notes again is going to be at exploringmindandbody.com slash outsmartingovereating. I'll link the book where you can find it and some of her other books as well that she talked about in the interview. And then just a special thank you to Karen. She's such a pleasant person. She actually told me I was a fantastic interviewer and she loved my questions and you know she's sincere and, and that meant a lot to me and she's just a cool person and a great great person to interview in and I love this book you should check it out because it is so relevant and it's nice to talk to authors that are real people and those that give you the time you know before and after interviews that means a lot to me and you know some people like to jump right on and get off you know they just want to get their interview over but as busy as Karen was she's not that kind of person and we certainly appreciate what she's doing in the health industry all right just before we wrap things up here just a quick word from rainy days medi spa this says Rainy Days, D-A-Z-E. So this is actually a really cool company right out of Sylvan Lake. They have a lot of conventional spas like facials, massage, pedicures. But what I like about them is they're green and they're going with a more natural, healthy approach, which is perfect for the show. So they actually have vegan nail polish. And I thought that was super 
super cool. I was talking to Tamara on the phone. And I also love that they're green. They're part of the green circle where they try to recycle absolutely everything. So they're natural, they're green, they're organic and biodynamic as well. So it's in Sylvan Lake. And you can find more information on them at rainydaysmedispa.com or you can give them a call at 403-887-0660. Just want to thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you guys, your downloads, your shares. All that means a lot. Downloads are up. We're reaching more people and we're having bigger interviews coming on each week and I have a whole list planned out. We'll see how we can get them all on the show. I'm going to be at True Form Life on Twitter. My main site, more stress detox information, how to detox your body, reduce stress is trueformlife.com. All past shows are on exploringmindandbody.com. Those are two different sites, but they're main sites to get the information about what we're doing and I'm doing online coaching. So you can check me at trueformlife.com slash online coaching. I do that through Skype, through email, through phone, a lot of different ways to help you sustainably improve your lifestyle. And then lastly, don't forget about our detox. We have a new detox that just started and we have a brand new one coming up here. So if you want information on that, you can follow along on our my weekly newsletter. I send that out each week. There's no sales pitches. I don't share your email, just information, videos, recipes, blog links, and radio shows. That's it. That's all I got. Thanks to Jameson Brown for edits. And I'm out of here. As always, I'm your host, Drew Taddea in health and fitness for a better world. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia, fitness expert. To find out more about the show, Drew Tadia, or to listen to past shows, visit exploringmindandbody.com. Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia would not be possible without the help of GDK Gravel and Sand. GDK Gravel and Sand, now offering all products in half and one yard bags. Give them a call today for more information. 1-877-335-2091.